0: episode of dana being dana is brought to you in part by the wright center for women's health providing personalized luxury health care
1: hello and welcome to dana being dana that's me and i'm thrilled you're with us my show is about all different aspects of the human connection things that bring us together and living life intentionally women supporting women is an important part of dana being dana because i believe that we do not do it enough with me today are two women who have made careers out of supporting and uplifting others women in particular michelle jenks founder of the fusion project and angela rose founder and executive director of pave promoting awareness victim empowerment how are you ladies great great thank you so much for being here Thank you. PAVE is responsible for our t-shirts. That's right. And you'll tell us about that shortly. But first, I want to start with you, Michelle. Can you talk about the Fusion Project and why you started it? I started it
0: five years ago. And the backstory is I had years of working with women in rape crisis centers and my own personal experience. And um, when I heard someone talk for the very first time about sex trafficking, I was appalled and felt like I needed to do something. And I always thought it would be on the recovery end with, the, with women and children, but it ended up that um, I really felt called in the middle of the night one night to help the girls that are in the midst, and boys that are in the midst of, of being um, trafficked and that age is 12 to 14. So it made sense to do something with junior high girls to empower them. And as I did research, I realized that um, the things that make them vulnerable to that kind of behavior makes them vulnerable to lots of other things, being bullied, being in unhealthy relationships, anxiety. So um, we kind of put it all together to put a program together for the girls so that they would be empowered and they could find their voice and make wise choices instead of feeling like they were being a victim.
1: What type of female is most at risk for sex trafficking? If you're
0: a female, uh, that's really every girl. And and that's the hard thing about this is that you never want to blame a girl Hence the shirts. There's, there's never a reason why a female or a, ma- a male should ever get blamed for that. There's certain behaviors that I think predators look for, um, especially with girls that that give them the idea that they're more susceptible. And so we can work on that with the girls to give them some ideas of behaviors and things like that. But really, if you're a, if you're a human being, you're you're a potential victim. So it's not always a specific type or. It's not
1: a person or or
0: anything like that. I will say that um, we work with an organization that does the recovery for um, women and girls that have been trafficked and and specifically girls for what we do. And they say that 100% of the girls that they've recovered were sexually abused as children. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so one of the things that I'm learning as I continue to do research is that if you don't help a child recover from that victimization, it continues and continues and continues. And they don't see that they're worth anything more. And so that's really what we wanna do is kind of work with that. But that doesn't mean that someone who's never been abused would later be trafficked or be victimized or assaulted in some way.
1: Angela, you were a victim of sexual violence and you have turned your pain into purpose. Yes. And I'm so proud of your accomplishments um, and and what you've done. Can you talk us through your original ordeal and what happened. Sure, absolutely. Let me start by saying, Dana, that every person who's watching your show
2: personally knows a survivor of sexual Mm -hmm. violence. Now, mine was a stranger assault. Most of the time it's somebody that we know and we trust, but I was kidnapped in broad daylight from Woodfield Shopping Mall. I was a teenager. I found out later he had been stalking me. And it was an experience where when you're 17, you don't think things like that can happen. And all of a sudden there was a knife at my throat and He threw me in his car. But what really helped kind of transform me from victim to survivor was having the family support that so many people don't have. But even when I went down to the police station that night, the detective didn't believe me. There was nothing done on my case. There's a lot of re-traumatization that happens. And so I'm very passionate about also educating police stations, first responders on what to say or do if somebody discloses, because research shows the first person, as you know, that's the Mm -hmm. first person that a survivor tells. If that person reacts well, that's greatly going to impact the person's healing process. It's true. And oftentimes people
1: don't react well. Absolutely.
2: absolutely. And well-meaning loved ones, well-meaning parents, Mm -hmm. family members. Now me as a new mom, I understand that it's so difficult to to go through those things. Yeah. What
1: I think that, what I think is so remarkable about you, um, and I obviously read up on your story is that you remembered the details and you were able to recount them, Mm -hmm. um, to the police, to the detectives for the investigation. And I remember you saying that if you lived um, that you would make sure that this man was not able to hurt anybody else. That's right. And um, through your strength, through your tenacity, through your dedication, tell us what the sentence was. Well, thank you so much for
2: saying that. Yeah, it was. It's in a-
1: the sentence was life
2: in prison. We found out that he had been on parole for murdering a 15-year-old girl named Julie Angel. Angel was her last name. Faith is a huge part of my life. And I felt like she helped me through that experience. Even though he had taped my eyes shut, like you said, I could see down to either side. So I consciously remembered everything
1: I could. And so I really believe that she helped me through that experience. You're so strong. Um, And you channeled that into starting PAVE. Can you tell us about PAVE and and why you started or how you started it. And tell us about our shirts. Absolutely. We're not just going to Six Flags. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um,
2: Tell us about it. So when I went away to college at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, I looked for a group like PAVE to join, and there wasn't one. So I researched for months. I didn't want to step on anybody's toes or reinvent the wheel. And what I found was missing, Dana, was something that was a prevention-based program that took a positive approach engaging both men and women to be a part of the solution in a positive way. So we talk about consent and healthy relationships, bystander intervention. We do a lot of education and training, but then we also need to support survivors. And the gap that we found was missing is that holistic way of healing, trauma-informed yoga, meditation, dance therapy, art therapy, thinking outside the box. And also we have a, a social advocacy campaign for PAVE. So like these shirts, for example, the What She Was Wearing campaign, it's rooted in a spoken word piece that we use in high schools and colleges across the country. but it says this t-shirt is not asking for it because all too often people are blamed for what they're wearing even in court they asked me what I was wearing I was wearing a pantsuit but if I was wearing a red mini skirt should that make a difference Mm -mm. absolutely Absolutely not but unfortunately even to this day with the me too movement and time's up and we've come a long way but we still have a long way to go Mm -hmm. because survivors are still blamed and shamed for that
1: experiencing happened to them and that needs to change and I think that uh, that blaming is so real yeah. the victim blaming yes. is real yes. you mentioned bystander intervention mm-hmm. um, and I think Michelle you also encourage people mm-hmm. to speak up and to get involved and to say something
0: can you talk a little bit about that and how important it is I think it's so important for I work with a lot of girls so I'm probably going to err on saying that but for people to find their voice whether it's for themselves or for other people I and mean, when we work with our girls a lot of what we do is how, how you can be a bystander and stand up for somebody who's next to you. There's so many studies where they have just people watch something happen and will not stand up, will not say anything. They'll just let it go. And that's, that's not right. It's It's not human. It's not, we should not be like that. We should be erring on the side of getting involved, but you need to know how to do that and do it well. And so whether you're a preteen or teen, or whether you're an adult teaching people how to do that and, Know what to say, who to go to, how to intervene in the moment, is I think incredibly empowering for the for all of us. But women have been taught to be quiet. We've been taught to sit there and take it, and we can't do that anymore. It's so important because I think silence yes. supports they the oppressor. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And you, we were talking before about um, how how silence uh, silence is what people use to suppress um, people from saying anything, for standing up for themselves, for fighting back. And I just think it's so important to break the silence. You talk about shattering the silence. Yes, Mm -hmm. That's our website is shattering the silence. And so for us, we want people
2: to really from a healing perspective, write about it, whatever you can talk about it, write about it, create art around it because if you keep these feelings and experiences inside and speaking out publicly Mm -hmm. is certainly not for everybody but when you keep it inside we see a lot of alcohol abuse and eating disorders and self-mutilation we see a lot of emotional aftermaths that really can be mitigated with processing Mm -hmm. it and us as a community creating that safe space to support survivors and celebrate their voices how do you help people find their voice Well, for me personally, we have a lot of workshops that do that, so we have regional empowerment summits where we encourage people to find their voice through artistic means, but also giving people the strength and the tools to talk to their parents and Mm -hmm. even you know reporting isn't for everybody as we know sexual assault is the most underreported crime in the country but doing you know more training so officers and detectives know how to respond in a trauma-informed way Mm -hmm. in a sensitive way so we can see the report rates come up and we can you know find ways to get young men and women and, and all ages because this impacts everybody but
0: to talk about it we actually practice So in our programs, it's after school, it's with the girls, and we do a lot of, um, they don't know that they're doing this, but we do games, we do different things in which they have to use their voice and say Mm -hmm. something or have to say, um, you know, this is what I hear from a coach or from parents, or these are what everybody wants me to be like, but this is what I want. Mm -hmm. And they get to say that out loud. And it's interesting because um, as you were talking, I just realized I became aware of some things that happened to me when I was in college and I was a creative writing major, and I wrote stories. And that's how it came out for the first time was just writing the stories and thinking I had told nobody, not my family, not my sister, like my parents, my sister, nobody. And it had to come out in creative writing. Mm -hmm. And that's so we give the girls chances to do that, too, and write stories, stories, that expression. Yes, it's just expression, expression. songs, poems. Yes, I think that therapy
1: um, or what's therapeutic is transparency yeah. and just being able to talk, being able to express, mm-hmm. whether it's written, whether yeah. you're whether you're speaking it, um, there is uh, therapy in, yeah. in transparency. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, for me, it
2: took a long time because I'm Italian. So for us, it's, you know, you don't go to therapy, you pick yourself up by your yes. bootstraps. But for a long time, I suffered in silence, even though I was active, I was in the community. I was able to change laws when I was 17, working with the family of the girl that he had killed. Yeah. But yet I was suffering myself in silence because I had to put this strong face on until I found an amazing trauma therapist that helped me with something called EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's an amazing trauma therapy that really helped give me that, that, that freedom back in my life because it is paralyzing mm-hmm. at times. We are heartbeats when you know you think that things are you know, a threat to you when they're not. And so it's, it's exhausting to feel like that all the time. So I really encourage people to find a therapist. And if one doesn't work for you, don't be afraid to try yeah. a few others. That trust that a person has with their therapist is what's going to help really get them to the next level.
0: I think that that's so important. One of the things that happens when you've been abused or attacked and things like that is that you tend to trust the people that you shouldn't and don't trust the people that you should. That was something that was explained mm. to me a long time ago. You trust and the I, people that you, you should. shouldn't and you don't trust the people that you should. Mm. And part of that is because of people's responses when you do tell it. And and so it inverts everything that, you, that would be help, healthy for you. Mm. So you don't tell people who could actually be helpful, but you tell people who, you know, you find, it's that cliche, you find men to date or some things that are opposite of who you should trust. And that's been powerful to realize that when I see that in girls understanding, oh, there's there's a deeper thing going on. Mm-hmm. And when we find, I find myself doing that and being like, oh, nope, this is back. This is a tape from a long time ago. I don't need to listen to that anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's incredible. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. <music> This episode of Dana Being Dana is brought to you in part by the Wright Center for Women's Health, providing personalized luxury healthcare.
1: Welcome back to Dana Being Dana. I am talking to good friends of mine, Angela and Michelle, who both have organizations, uh, PAVE and the Fusion Project, respectively, that support victims, women, children, um, in being stronger, surviving, and not only surviving, but thriving. The statistics on sex assault and sex traf-
0: trafficking are startling. Can you tell us some of those? Well, during the, our little break we were talking and I think statistics are not super, like they're not the same and, and it goes all over, but it can be anywhere from one out of four to three out of four girls by the time they're 18 have been somehow assaulted or abused or, or um, trafficked, all of that. But trafficking and you and i have talked about this a lot trafficking statistics are startling because we think it happens over there we think about people getting taken we think about all those things but it happens in every single zip code there's not one zip code in the united states that is free of, of trafficking and every year there's over three hundred thousand girls that are trafficked mm-hmm. so that's appalling if you put that in statistics for um for sexual abuse it's even worse and i, I can't remember the number off the top of my head but i should remember it being millions millions of children who are um and young adults who are who are abused and assaulted
1: are men victims as well absolutely yes they
0: are and that's even a lesser um reported so it's very hard to get the numbers when i worked at the um, rape crisis center my the most horrible calls yeah it brings tears when i just think about it were from men yeah and i and part of it um which is horrible is that we are used to women talking about it and girls talking about it, but for a boy to feel or a man to feel victimized and to know that their body part um, in some way failed them. It didn't fail them. It was doing what it was supposed to do, but it can be so traumatic for men and boys that it's even more underreported. And the, their way of getting de- through it as different, don't you think then?
2: Absolutely. I one think of our that's... PAVE ambassadors is Flip Rodriguez, who's on American Ninja Warrior. And yes. he was a male survivor. He was abused from the ages of like nine to 14 by mm-hmm. his father. And so he felt a lot of shame and he wore this mask on the show until one day he mm-hmm. took off the mask and in front of millions of people said, you know what, that is not my shame. And millions of people responded saying, thank you for your voice because this is a TV hey, show that yes. people, you know, would watch with their families. And it gave this great foundation for people to talk to their Kids, boys and girls, mm-hmm. about sexual violence and and those kinds of things and empowerment. I love how you yeah. use the word thriver, right? I always say it's a journey from
1: victim to survivor to thriver. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. it's so true. Yeah. I want to talk about grooming. I was mm-hmm. just going to say that fits perfectly with what we're talking about. Absolutely, yeah. because yeah. grooming is the setup, and it doesn't yes. happen immediately. Yes. No. you know these things don't always come uh, quickly. Right. A lot of times, people are targeted, yes. and it's a buildup over time. Yes. And people don't realize that it's whittling away at, at self-esteem or comfort or understanding of a person. Creating trust, creating trust, not just with the potential victim, but with the whole family, creating dependency. Yes. Yes. Making somebody dependent on them or, you know, giving gifts or spoiling. And it blurs the line. So then you're unaware when
0: something happens that it was even bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How can this person who's done all yes. of these things to yes. me, for me, so nice to me, um, hurt and me. yeah, hurt me. Yeah. And then sometimes it's the tearing down. They yeah. build you up yeah. and then they tear you down emotionally. Um, and, and then sometimes physically to, to reel you in. So yes. you spend time kind of like in quicksand, mm-hmm. you know, trying to please, yes. and then you end up doing things or making decisions that you may not otherwise, because your self-esteem yes. has been compromised. Yeah.
2: And most of the time, these are repeat offenders. You look at Larry Nasser, who was the doctor for right. all the gymnasts. Exactly. You look at Bill Cosby. I mean, there's so many examples of these men who are, you know, and I know women also can be perpetrators, but yeah. overwhelmingly they are men. And, and they find ways to just build that trust and I mean, sometimes there could be dozens and dozens and dozens of survivors, but because it's somebody that that person knows, it's very underreported. People don't want to even tell their families about it because it's so embarrassing and confusing. And they think
0: it's their fault. Yes. They they, they think that they brought it on. And, you know, part of grooming is that sense of um, oftentimes, and it's horrible, but in families or situations, more often than not, the um, perpetrator is somebody that we know, which you said already. And so they will be in situations where they might be holding a small child in a group of their family, touching the child and no one's doing anything. The child's looking around and seeing that no one's responding. And so therefore, this must not be wrong. And so at a very young age it, it teaches the child not to trust their own instincts and to trust the other person to tell you whether it's wrong or right. And so you magnify that through years and different behaviors. I mean all the things that have happened in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. All those things are they um they hope that people will be quiet because if you say something out loud, it could get clarified. So what do you do? You teach the person to be quiet. If this is just between us, this is a special thing that we do. There's a million different things that they say that can cause that quietness. You've yeah. talked about church,
1: yes. doctors, family members, yes. all of these people that people trust, yeah. victims trust. And what what is so frustrating for me is that people don't understand how the pain that they inflict on others in that brief moment, right? Yes. Um, A a touching, an assault, very relatively short periods of time, right? Right. Instances of abuse. But those last a lifetime, the scars that that are inflicted last a lifetime. How do you encourage people that you work with to overcome that pain? Well, one of the young women that we worked very closely with, Delaney
2: Henderson, was assaulted by two boys in her high school. Not only did this experience happen to her, she was bullied so badly by her high school classmates yeah. after this happened that yeah. she tried oh. to take her own life twice. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, for her, she just felt so alone. And I think it really is so important for people to understand as parents how to talk to their kids about mm-hmm. this. And language is important, even for kids, going back to grooming for a moment. You don't use the word good touch, bad touch. It could feel good, that's right. confusing. Right. Safe versus unsafe touch safe versus Mm. unsafe secrets so there's ways that you can talk to kids starting as little as a year old in an age-appropriate way about these
0: things and that's critically important Mm -hmm. we talk about tricky tricky adults Mm. adults don't ask children for help so when they're getting asked by a stranger for help that's something to look forward to yeah tricky yeah yeah and i think that that's as you um build up the the person it can take a very long time, but teaching them to trust themselves. Mm -hmm. I remember someone asking me part as part of my own healing was trust yourself. And what do you think Yes. over and over and over again, because that's gotten all skewed and they don't know.
2: And hope, I think hope is such an important word. You know, it's important for people to understand that a happy, joyful life is absolutely possible after trauma. And a lot of people sometimes feel broken or damaged, but letting them know that they are whole and that there is hope for a brighter tomorrow.
1: When you talked about Delaney um, and her story, and, and I'm familiar with it, she talked a lot about being alone and feeling yes, alone. Exactly. And there are so many Delaney's out there, yeah, there are. Who, who are alone. Uh, that's why I think it's so important for people to support people. Yes. I talk a lot about women supporting yes. women yeah. uh, yes. because I don't think we do that enough, but I think it also includes men. I think, I think yes. speaking up, being supportive, yeah. uh, being there for each other. Can you talk about you know, why you think that's important and how you've seen that when people do show up for each other yeah. and support each other, great things can happen. I know you specifically showed up and supported Delaney and it made a huge difference and yeah. impact for her. And
2: then she reaches out and does the same. So with our high school program, we have her on film. And I think it's so important for high school students to hear from a real high school survivor. Yes. And so, you know, we really teach and train students what to do if somebody discloses, because we aren't trained parents aren't trained students aren't trained we're not trained on what to say or do if somebody discloses and so that's a really important part of the educational curriculum yeah. and it just can make such a difference
0: yeah one of the things we say is if someone tells you their story you believe it that's right no I matter what sharing. they say believe yeah. it because um, that I know there are a small small percentage of people who are trying to get money or something like that and so they will make a uh, make up a story or magnify a story or something but that is so minuscule to the thousands and thousands and millions of people yeah. who are, that are living it. So we teach the girls from the very beginning, if someone says something, you believe it, it's their story and you do not ask, no, none of the questions can be, well, how, or are you sure or anything like that? Um, but it's also really important, even if something hasn't happened, for them to feel like they've got people who believe them. Mm-hmm. We've got girls in our program that we found out later. I found out from parents this last year that we had girls in the program who were suicidal. Mm. I didn't know, but they, they felt alone. They felt like things had happened they, hadn't told, they didn't know anybody to tell. And just being in a community without ever talking about things that had happened to them, just being in the community gave them a sense of not being alone. And so after a while, they were able to disclose some things. They were able to say, oh, I'm not alone. And some of them have made their best friends in a group where they came in knowing nobody. Mm, I love That's that. So, yeah.
1: Oftentimes, people just want to feel like they belong. Yes. They do. They That's want to of feel our like. basic needs. It's as humans. Yes. Absolutely. I think the work that you ladies do is so incredible. And I'm honored to have you all as my friends. Can you talk a little bit about um, some of your favorite parts of your job? Mm-hmm. Well, I
2: love when I'm speaking in an audience and I have a line of people who just want to share their story and just get a hug because oh, okay. I, I always ask, can I hug you? And that's an important yeah. part of consent. Right. And yeah. so um, that's just my favorite part is just seeing that hope in somebody's eyes, the secret that they had carried for so long, realizing that that shame doesn't have to be theirs. Mm-hmm. And just that moment can completely transform their path. And it's, I, that's one of my you know, most beautiful moments.
0: We um, are a little bit different because we go week after week after week and we're with the same girls. And one of the things I love is watching them grow Mm. and having them come in. Uh, She knows but one of my favorite girls who's come through our program would not talk to us for a long time. And she would just come in and then leave and never say any words. And after months, she came in and started talking, would high five me and do some things like that. And later to find out all the things that were happening in her life. And all we did was accept her. We didn't force her to talk. We didn't force her to do anything that she didn't want to do. But just watching a girl change their whole, she's a leader now. And I know that she's going to do some great things because she's found her voice. Yes. She's for, begun to believe in herself. And I love that. I love watching um, anybody find their voice and, and believe in themselves and realize that their life is just beginning. They can have a mm. hope and um, a new life anytime. So much
1: happens when you're able to connect that. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, this is the gap. You know there's all of this potential laying right here yes you know but something has happened yes Um, someone feels alone they don't feel like they have a connection yeah and you guys can bridge that gap you guys can bridge that gap Mm -hmm. what do you want to say to people who are watching um, who haven't found you yet um what advice do you have for them to get to that next step, to get to that next level.
2: Well, our website is shatteringthesilence.org and we have a lot of tools for parents Mm -hmm. as well as friends, as well as if somebody wants to take their pain and turn it into something positive. Because for me, that was one of my, I think for me speaking out and getting active to make sure that I could try and avoid this happening to other people really helped me go that path from victim to survivor mm-hmm. to thriver. Yes, I wanted yeah. to make sure that I could turn that pain into something positive. So giving people very tangible grassroots ways that they can make a difference in their community. Yeah.
0: And I would just love to be in every grade, every junior high across the country. And our website is fusion, the four girls.org. And I don't say that for any reason, except for I do, I do believe every junior high girl and every boy, we hope to do a boys program too. They deserve to be, to be talked to and, Um, just embraced for who they are no matter who they are that they they need to feel that love and connection because I don't want I want to stop people from needing you quite frankly I want to create an environment where we don't need to have so much recovery and because we have taught people not to treat people that way from the beginning
1: you know one of the things you said early on is that self-esteem is at its highest for girls right before the puberty phase Mm -hmm. and if not addressed it becomes that lowest point and you have people who are grown um, who still suffer from low self-esteem if not addressed and i think it's it's
0: not their fault puberty creates low self-esteem it's just part of the whole process so you go from high to low and then if you don't if you don't deal with it it goes into your 30s and 40s and so that's that's if we can deal with that when they're in junior high what a difference their life will be like what a huge difference and i
1: love the difference that you all are making in so many lives you're such a blessing to others, you help others thrive and you're thriving yourselves. And I just appreciate you. And so I'm just so happy that you've joined me for this episode because I think talking about this stuff is so incredibly important. When women shine their light in the same direction, it is a beautiful brilliance. Here at Dana Being Dana, we hope to be part of the movement of women, finding their voice and using their power to support one another in meaningful and tangible ways. Hopefully you have been entertained, if not encouraged or inspired. I do not promise to be an expert, nor do I have all the answers. I'm just Dana, being Dana. See you next time.